Journalist, TV host, and now beauty entrepreneur, Alison McNamara is the founder of the award-winning algae-infused skincare line, Mara. Join us as we uncover Alison's career journey, her environment-first approach, and the sea of inspiration behind the brand. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success, and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable & Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable & Main has been an incredible journey so far, and I decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's delight to welcome our guest for today, Alison McNamara. She is a TV host, journalist, and now also the founder of the award-winning skincare line, Mara. Best known for its algae-infused formulations sourced sustainably from France and Ireland, Mara launched in 2018 to the delight of clean beauty lovers everywhere. Not long after its launch, Mara has already garnered a cult following with celebrity fans, including Hailey Bieber, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Chrissy Teigen, with each product packaged in glass and meticulously formulated with ocean-safe ingredients. Alison has drawn inspiration from the sea in all aspects of the brand, while paying homage to her upbringing by the coast in Southern California. One thing I really love is how she's truly honed in the art of formulation with Mara by approaching it the same way she would research and write a journalism piece. I know that my experiences in my early career have helped me as a founder today, so I cannot wait to compare notes. And we're already great friends, uh, met in LA recently, so I know we have a lot in common. So I just can't wait to dive straight in. So Alison, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, what an intro. Thank you for having me. So, you know, Alison, I asked all my guests the same question. I'm going to ask you, and I'm very curious to know your response. Who, in a nutshell, is Allison? Oh my gosh, who, in a nutshell, is Allison? Well, I love, I love creating things. I love being creative, and I love storytelling. So I feel like that's at the core of who I am. I think my whole journey has been about either telling my own stories or telling other people's stories. And so I'm inquisitive by nature, and um, just love learning more about people, places, and things. So, I mean, nature is a big, big part of your upbringing. I know you grew up kind of in Southern California and always were inspired by the sea. Tell us a bit about that and that experience. So I moved from Maryland to Palos Verdes when I was like around five years old. And Palos Verdes is this gorgeous coastal town in Southern California. And it was like the most amazing place to grow up. So gorgeous. And it really kind of rooted everything that I have um, that I've created with Mara because the ocean is just that kind of that place where you go when you're feeling upset or you need to be rejuvenated or you feel like you need to be healed. And I think that that's the thing for a lot of people too. There's a reason why we go on vacations to places with oceans. So I really use that as the background for the Mara DNA. And it not only felt very close to me and my, where I grew up, but also Mara means sea in Gaelic. And there's a lot of innuendos that we do that tie back to the ocean. And so that's kind of like the DNA of the brand. And then, so I know you're, you're, 
you had a, a great already a very vast and variety of a career, um, which I want to get into. But um, one thing I think we have in common is I know your father was in the beauty industry and my, my father too. What was it like growing up with, I guess, without maybe some consciously realizing it, but there was beauty talk, right? Beauty business. Uh, was that something that you were kind of, I guess, familiar around? A hundred percent. We've been talking about beauty since before I can remember, just around the dinner yeah. table and having those conversations. And it was really fun and exciting. A lot of times uh, when I was in high school, even, and he would come to us as a resource to find out who was cool or what people were talking about and uh, really used our experiences and what we thought was trending to make decisions at the companies he was working for. And so, you know, everything from learning about ingredients at a really young age, I'd be that little kid at sleepovers saying like, hey, you should use benzoyl peroxide on that pimple or put sal acid on that. And people were like, you are literally 10. What are you talking about? No, uh, I had no actual expertise to be telling people this type of information, but I was really passionate about it from a young age. So looking at my trajectory, it, it makes so much sense that I came back and this is what I'm doing now. Exactly. But then, so you mentioned coming back and very similar to me, like I studied engineering, I went a different path and then I came back to it just because there's that innate DNA that I think is instilled from a very young age. But I love that fact that you explored a whole other industry. Um, and that was in the, the realm of journalism, reporting. So tell us a bit about kind of, I know first you went to Paris, I guess, and then Southern California, and then you went into your career. So tell us about that. So I studied at University of Southern California, USC, and I did do a stint in France while I was in college. Yeah. And that was such a prolific and learning time in my life. I'm so glad I got to do that. Anyone listening, if you're in college, do the do the study abroad. It's so important. Uh, but yeah. I always knew I wanted to entertain people, and I always knew I wanted to tell stories. I always loved writing and, and crafting things. So I went to school to study journalism and political science, and I originally thought I was going to be like a political analyst, an on-camera political analyst. But then, growing up in Southern California and going to USC in the heart of Hollywood, I started interning for places like MTV and E! News and really got my toes wet at the Daily 10, which was a show that played before E! News. And I interned for Kat Sadler and Sal Masekela. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to be on set. So I worked every day to kind of make that dream a reality. And so my first career really started out as an entertainment journalist, but then parlayed itself pretty quickly to an on-camera reporter. And I worked for places like Pop Sugar. I did the Oscars red carpet for the you know ABC. I got to be on Entertainment Tonight. I've done the Today Show. Um, so I've gotten to do so many amazing things. But ultimately, the shows that I, I finally made it to television, and then the shows that I was on kept getting canceled. And I almost, looking back, it was like a sign. It pushed me into a different direction. Um, but at the time, I was so upset about it and didn't know what to do. And that's kind of how I found my roots again. Let's go now into that part, because that's a really important factor. I think a lot of people might you know, go down a path and might have a great success and even sometimes a lot of challenges on that journey. But then there will be a moment where they have to accept there will be a pivot, right? And it can be very scary, can be very uncertain. And also there can be a lot of sort of like, how do I even do that? What was your mind really going through? Was it more like, I've had enough, I just got to try something? Or was it like, let's go back a bit? Like, you know, for you, maybe let's go back into our childhood. Like, what do I, what was I around? What do I also have a passion for? When I look at my old journals, I've been journaling since I was like six years old. I always said I wanted to have my own skincare line or my own line in some capacity. And so when I approached the early ideation of Mara, I wasn't really thinking about making this into like a global brand. I was more just trying to keep myself busy because I felt like, I, I wasn't doing all the things that I loved to do at that point in my life. Um, I had just left that show and then I was 
I was getting other work, doing things for Instagram, but that wasn't the stuff that lit me on fire. I never wanted to be like an influencer portrayed. I wanted to be a journalist. And so when I started the idea, I kind of started as a side hustle, but looking back, I did all of the steps properly to build a business, right? I, I didn't cut any corners. I was doing things like really legit, like made sure we had like a legal team. And, and a lot of that was due to the guidance I had, of course, from my, my dad, who's done this before, but I also wasn't on that mindset of like, I'm going to be the next X type of brand. I just really kind of let it organically take shape. And it took me a long time. I started the ideation in 20, like 2015 and didn't launch till mid 2018. Mm. So it took me a long time to, to get my first one product out. I only had one product. So mm. I really just kind of like let the journey unfold and that I'm really grateful for because there was a big in-between part of my career. Those three years, I felt very un at ease in a way because yeah. I was transitioning and learning about this new type of career and everything was new every day, but then I was still sustaining myself with my old business, my S Corp that still was doing production and writing. So that was a very trying time, but I also look back and I'm so glad I went through that. And I think it's very important to like, make sure you go at your own pace. Uh, a lot of it is obviously to do with like how you start that journey. Like if you're starting it with just a curiosity, if you're starting it with like maybe a VC backing you with some pressure, there are different variations, right? But I think the best thing is, is before you even start a business is understand what what are you trying to get the most out of it first? Is it about learning? Is it about making money? Is it? And for you, it seems definitely about you want to A, create amazing products for people to enjoy. And this is something that you've always envisioned, right? So is that something that like, did you have a vision board or like a mood board before you even had a business plan? I'm just curious to know. Well, I hate to, you know, call myself out here, but I never really created a business plan. Either did like, I, don't worry. Okay. Either did I. I think that's sometimes you don't need to. I shouldn't say that, but you don't really always need to. I think it just depends on what your initial goals are, right? Because I wasn't exactly. on this like fast track journey to, and I didn't have VC backing. This was really at my own pace, at my own leisure. Um, yes, the storyboards, the mood boards, I'm a storyteller. So like that took such a chokehold on what I was doing at the beginning. And then luckily I do have a pretty good business mindset and was able to learn the accounting side of things. And all of that did come naturally to me when the time came for it. But yeah, yeah, but the beginning, no, it was all about like, it was such a romanticized time because it was the most fun time actually, because getting to pull together those mood boards and really finding, you know, what, I thought what I gravitated to and all those things were so important. So no, I, you know, if you're listening to this and you're wanting to start a business and you don't have a business plan, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Absolutely. That will, that will force the business will encourage you to start creating. And before you know it, you have it and you don't even realize you have a business plan. Cause what is that? It's just, uh, it's a marriage of all these elements that you need to prepare. Right. And that will happen when they come across. So for example, when we probably created a brand legal came into that point where we, when we narrowed down the name, we're like, Oh, I need to not start trademarking that. Boom. Let's yep. get that into the, in the room. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a journey, right? Step by step. But talking about name. So tell us, uh, I already, you already mentioned it, but was it, um, I already know the inspiration, but just remind us a little bit about that. And then also, was it hard to get this like name trademarked and it's a beautiful name. So I'm just curious. Well, we're still like, you know, we still have issues with the name as we're, we're trying to get it in different countries and territories, um, because it it is a, a popular name, if you will, but it's a four letter word. You know, yeah. Four letter word. We do have like a wavy, a wavy um, A on the end, which actually is a moringa leaf compressed into a wave. But um, yeah, so the name Mara, because the first product is the Algae Moringa Universal Face Oil. And algae and moringa are two things that we use almost consistently throughout the line. And the idea for Mara, honestly, I was on a trip to Istanbul, Turkey, which uh, 
pray for everyone in Turkey right now. It's so sad what's recently yeah. happened. Um, but I was there in 2015 on a trip and I was on the Sea of Marmara. And at the time I was already ideating this kind of like blue color palette. I was gravitating towards things. This was at the era of the Korean skincare craze and the millennial pink you know, I was yeah. on every product, Everything like was pink. Yeah. Saturday skin, like all of it was pink. And I'm just not a pink person. And I just felt that I was missing that kind of like heritage feel with products. I feel like Fable in Maine has a really beautiful heritage feel as well. So it seems like you were also gravitated towards something similar. And so blue kept coming up and, you know, this whole story just started taking shape. And then to your point, you know, we were able to get Mara. That's when I, I actually took it seriously is I was like, if we can get the trademark for Mara, um, then I will start, you know, going on this journey of creating this brand, but I'm not going to get too, you know, committed to anything until we have that. So we get, we got the trademark and then we started getting, you know, I got the Mara beauty, which people call us Mara beauty. Our name is just Mara, but we have the Mara beauty on all, on all our social channels. And then that's when I kind of took it more seriously, but it's tough. You have to make sure you have that trademark. That is so important. And it's, it's actually so funny how subconsciously as founders, the minute you have your trademark kind of approved, because you also keep it hush until it's done, right? Like, in your yeah. territories, that you're, you're in your classes, you're applying for. Then you start like putting the accelerator like subconsciously, right? Like everything yep. starts like, okay, now we're we're there, let's go. And um, I think it's it's a, I think it's an affirmation of like this is now getting serious, right? Now we're Definitely. getting into like let's think about creation and and one thing is really important as you mentioned about you know a very organic approach to product development, which I think is so important. Um, so you launched with wine and obviously now you have a, an array of beautiful products. So tell us about that journey and the first product. So I wrote the first five products at the same time, like not all at once, but I had an idea of where the line was going to go if we were to ever make this into something bigger. And so the whole approach was oil-based clean actives. And that was something I hadn't really seen much at the time in the marketplace. There were places that were doing oil-based actives, but didn't have the clean beauty standards that are now kind of taken as Bible today, like a credo clean. And so that was always the lens that I was approaching things through. And so I, I created the first five products. It's the universal face oil, which is the one I launched with, our retinol, our cleansing oil, our vitamin C, and our mask were the first five products that were all ideated at the beginning. And I think I had a very clear vision, but I took my time with the formulation. So like the sunscreen took me like four years to create, which was not, was so nuts. But then other products come together a little bit quicker. And, you know, I love, that's my favorite part. I wish, I think as founders, we can say this, like that's, we all have our favorite parts of the business, but you spend maybe like 5% of your time doing your favorite thing. It always happens. So I wish I had more yeah, time to do it. I know. I, I think also it's that kind of that founder's guilt of like, okay, I need to learn new things. I've got to like put more emphasis. I feel into those areas because I feel like that's where I feel the less lacking. And at the beginning, we're wearing hundreds of hats, right? We don't have the ability to always hire those people. And, and even we still do sometimes, right? It doesn't always stop. But um, one thing I want to also talk about then is you have obviously the product, but you also have beautiful packaging. And one thing I love a lot is, I mean, I wish you were in the office, but I'll show you my, my pillow. It's very much like Mara vibe. Oh my gosh, I love, it's like our, it's like the box tops. It's gorgeous. It literally is a box top. So I, um, I, I obviously relate, sorry, I'll sit down before I go back in. I obviously can relate very much to your aesthetic. I love the blue and the gold. My whole office is blue and gold. If you ever want to do a photo shoot, come here. There's all, <laughs> basically, it's perfect for Mara. Um, but yeah, so um, tell us a bit about kind of um, that kind of creative flow. Because uh, a lot of people have asked me when they're starting their business, they might be creative, but they still find it hard to start that journey. So I say, you know, there's either freelancers, there's agencies that often charge a bit more. 
Uh, what advice would you give to people in starting their creative development from a look and feel? So my advice for people is you have to kind of go with your strong suits, right? And creative has always been something where I'm really strong. So I didn't actually feel the need to hire an agency or an external team. I did work with a freelancer who uh, is still a good friend of mine who still works on all of the products. And I basically, we point and shoot. I tell him exactly what I want and he makes that vision a reality. Um, but if you're someone who doesn't have a strong creative uh, point of view, or you feel that that's a weaker spot for you, I'd say agency is the way to go. Because as you know, packaging is so expensive. And if you have to redo all your packaging, oh my gosh, that can be really, really costly. So um, I didn't hire an agency. I knew exactly what I wanted. And the interesting part is the blue bottles I found as dead stock material here in Los Angeles. I wasn't sure if this was going to be a, a real line. So I had a hard time at the, at the time, like, you know, investing in buying 10,000 bottles or whatever the minimum order was from Korea and getting them custom made if I didn't even know this was going to be a thing. And 10,000 bottles at the time felt like an enormous amount. Oh, it's amount. a lot. It's yeah, a lot, yeah. And yeah, it feels like an enormous amount of product to sell. So I actually was going around to all the different trade shows. This is my re recommendation for anyone when they're starting out. Go to Makeup LA, go to Cosmoprof. I met some amazing vendors who invited me, being in LA, to their showrooms, found this blue glass, which has now been like the, the ethos of the brand. And that's how we've kind of found the initial packaging for that. And then the box story is kind of funny. Um, all of our boxes have literal works of art on the top of them. So we work with an amazing painter, and she creates the box tops. But that actually started because I was having a difficult time figuring out the next steps for the box. And my dad, who is so brilliant, he was looking at my mood board and he kept saying, you, kept, you keep going back to this one piece of artwork. You should just reach out to the artist. It was a very Kris Jenner moment. Like, just call the artist. See if they'll let you use it. And I was like, that is such a bad idea, dad. Like, what are you talking about? Lo and behold, reached out to the artist and she did license us the rights for that particular painting. And now we custom make artwork for every product. Yeah. That's such a, and I think so many nuggets there, guys. Like, I mean, a lot of people message saying, how do I create a brand? And I think there's so many easy ways to start with. And I think it's putting your time in the right places. Um, like, for example, trade shows um, is one of the best ways to just see and, and because it can be hard and I think often at the beginning you have to sort of go with stock you shouldn't I mean unless you really have something so proprietary and unique going for mold and custom at that stage it can be very expensive and um and stock is a good way to start with and you'll be surprised with the amount of incredible options for stock um and then obviously understanding your you know when you want um certain uh, say like componentry of like uh, if you want to have no plastic pet recyclable uh, glass that's all you get to see all the vendors that specialize so it's not just you know it's also suppliers of of plastic right suppliers of glass um so that's why i found very very fascinating and there's and it also gives you an excuse to travel the world. There's one in Japan coming up and we probably don't need to go, but we're like, we should go. We should go. Oh my gosh, we're dying show. to go to that one. There's like one in Italy that's really great too, but there's it's in Singapore, right? Isn't the one in... There's one in Japan and there's one in Singapore as well. I mean, there's different cosmoprofs as well in different areas too, but... Um, to be fair, and there's Lux Pack in Monaco. There's a lot of different amazing ones, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a great and it's a great opportunity to also meet other potential founders, right? And and communicate and network. Um, uh, hopefully, they'll be open to share their ideas. Sometimes people are under the radar because they're just starting, <laughs> right? But totally. uh, it's a great, very good advice there. And I think definitely the freelancer. So even with Fable and Maine, we started with a freelancer. Like and and there's so many ways to cut corners because at the beginning when we went to agencies, right? I'm sure you had the same. If you were briefing a few just just out of curiosity they can charge like 20 30k for a concept book a brand book you know whole like a color swatches and different ideas 
And we just said, like, look, hire some freelancers. It's much more affordable. Plus, we are creative, right? We can probably get away with doing a lot of the backbone work ourselves. Um, but we kind of jigsawed it. So, for example, our tiger is, like, the designer who did all the Gucci designs. We oh. just actually found We just found him cool. online and we just messaged him and said, hey, like, do you do this on the side? We only have this budget. We do down. And then, you know, he did it. So you never know. You just have to um, find. Instagram is one of the best tips for that. Like, you will find illustrators and d- creative people and Instagram so easily um, and just DM them. So that's a little tip there. So I want to go a bit more back into product, um, Alison. So what are some of the, I know you mentioned the sunscreen, the oils, and what are some of the hero products and some of your favorites today? Okay. So the f- hero product of the line is interesting. It's the algae enzyme cleansing oil. It's kind of like was the undercover superstar of the line. Launched yeah. it right at the top of 2020 during the pandemic. We were a much smaller brand at the time. And that product didn't quite catch on as quickly I think because people were kind of reinvesting in like treatments and serums and and hydration kind of at the beginning of the pandemic. But thanks to Miss Haley Bieber, it really shot to fame and it's been our best selling global product, super high productivity. Um, So the algae enzyme cleansing oil is definitely a favorite. It's also... All of our products are unisex, but I feel like it's a product that a lot of men also gravitate towards because you can use it as a shaving oil, you can use it in the shower. Um, So... That's been kind of like the undercover, like super big product for us. Um, the other one, you know, we launched recently at Sephora and our lip balm has become so popular with, with them, which we're really excited about. And then our universal face oil is like the OG product of the line. But if you're asking me my favorites, I think Mara yeah. shines brightest in our treatments. They are more expensive. So I do feel like they're not as kind of like the gateway touch points of getting into the line. But once you kind of start experimenting around, our retinol oil, I think, is the best on the market. It has single-handedly changed my skin. And our vitamin C, I had like a full face of freckles. I mean, it's gotten rid of all of my hyperpigmentation, dark spots, um, sun damage. So those two treatments and the flower acid are probably like my favorite products to use. But, you know, we all have we all have our favorites. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. And I think I think exactly as you said, like knowing that the products are and can be used for everyone, uh, I think is very important today, especially in, in an industry where sometimes people gravitate because of colors and uh, the model choices to certain products. But I, I I truly see it as such a unisex product, especially the cleansing oil. And, and I mean, the colors are just beautiful. And it's uh, I think it's a good that it's a good thing to, I think, think about inclusivity and diversity in this point as well. So. And then I want to talk a little bit about sort of um, sustainability, because that's a big, big part of Mara um, for me. I, I, I see it. And also, you know, with your impact with the 1% for the planet, plastic neutral sea trees. So tell us some more about that. So when I was first creating the line, like we have an ocean first approach is what we said to mm. our formulation. So we want to make sure that we're not doing anything to harm our waterways, right? So that goes down to bioaccumulation, using ingredients that don't live forever, like a fragrance per se, when it's flushed down the drain can bioaccumulate in waterways in our food. Um, things like parabens and silicones are other things that kind of just stay forever. So we really take that approach when we're picking the ingredients that go in and not in our products. Yeah. Um, the other thing is ecotoxicity, which kind of kind of piggybacks off of that. And then the other thing that we really take into consideration, since we own all our formulas, we know every single raw material supplier that we're working with, we make cognizant choices based on location and carbon emissions. Like, okay, so we want to use this Moringa from X, Y, and Z, but there's also another amazing ingredient that maybe is non-GMO, but not organic. 
Sometimes we'll go with the not organic version because it's so much closer to us that at the end of the day, it's actually having a much better impact on the world than us going the whole way to X, Y, and Z to get that product. So we take that lens when we're doing, I call it a 360 approach to manufacturing. And then kind of like you said, we were members of all of those fun, like 1% for the planet, certified plastic neutral and, and so on. I think it's very important to have a conscious approach when it comes to sustainability because, uh, I think the consumers are now are very savvy. They know their stuff. And I think sometimes it can be very clearly like, um, you know, one for the other, it can be, it can go against it, but it can all sing. You just have to be very mindful. And of course there are moments, especially at the early stage of a business where there are some opportunity costs, right? We still have some things that we supply from overseas because we, we, we find that it's more maybe the sustainable, the packaging, but then when the market's caught up, we'll be doing it locally. And you know, there's things that you have to like kind of hold yourself accountable, but keep it kind of top of mind at every point of the business. And when you can make switches, you make the switches. Definitely. Um, so like now we're looking at to like B Corp, pend- I mean, we're going to go through this whole journey and uh, it's going to be, and, and if you ever want to, uh, I, I found an amazing consultant for that. And, you know, I have to have support on this, right? I can't do it alone. Yeah. But um, that's going to be a whole journey to look into as well, which I'm excited because it's going to, it's definitely going to cause changes, but it's going to be for the better. So, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, so we'll see how that's that really cool. Yeah. B Corp yeah. is no joke. I mean, that would be like a pipe dream for me to get there, but I'm, if you yeah. have any tips when you're doing that. Let me know. Oh yeah, let me let me let me start, and I'll let you know. And I might be like uh, wait another for a few more years. But but you know, the point is, these are just certifications, and of course, there's a lot of things in them. But as long as you have accountability in all your actions and building it, I think that's the most important. And I think you said it so beautifully, right? It's about thinking about everything mindfully. Um, and then I think another big factor, another thing I want to talk about, which I think is stockist, because um, there is a lot of kind of. I guess you could say uncertainty when it comes to retail and starting a business. And a lot of founders I speak to, especially in the early stage, right, or even pre-stage of launch, they're like, should I just start D2C first? It can be very expensive going to retail. Do I have to go to a speciality first and then the big, the big, the big players? Tell us about Mara's journey there. There's no one size fits all for this, by the yeah, way. You know, exactly. you can, you know, what's what works for me isn't going to work for necessarily someone else, um, and it also depends on, you know, how much you have to invest in your launch at the beginning. So, you know, Mara is entirely self-funded. And so we launched just directly D2C with the intention of going into retail. So I think that's important because you have to price for retail if you're going to plan to do that, right? Um, We launched at Credo Beauty within three months uh, in 2018. And that was really important for me. I wanted to get one of those kind of clean retailers at the beginning Because as a journalist, I don't love using the word clean per se in a lot of our personal marketing. I love things that are universally definable and things that we all can agree on. And I feel like clean is not one of those words at this point in the United States or anywhere. Yeah. I wanted to use retailers who had those strong stories to tell that part of it. So um, that was the goal for me. It was launching with a Credo or a detox market. We launched with Credo and then kind of slowly added on larger retail partners as well as lots of little boutiques that I were vetted by me and approved by me, um, each and every single one of them, and started kind of growing our clientele that way. And then obviously, you know, our dot-com business was really big for us. And the goal for me was always Sephora. That was my dream retailer. And I'm so honored that we finally got to have our, our moment, our launch. Yeah. And that was something that was always on the vision board, but I knew it was going to take a lot of time because I wanted to make sure we could do it in the right way, that they'd want to even bring us on. You know, that's the challenge yeah. too, actually getting accepted and approved. Yeah. And then once you, you know, you do, then it's like making sure you have the bandwidth to support all of the marketing initiatives that you want to do. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a journey, but so I went, yeah, like I said, D to C and then had very target retailers I wanted to launch with 
on my journey to get to Sephora, but it was always about getting to Sephora. And now you're, that, you're here and it's really exciting <laughs> because it, I think it, with Sephora, which often seems to be the, the holy grail of retail for most uh, upcoming or, or, or current founders, I would say it's just about making sure you go in the right time. And there might be an online first launch and then eventually in-store rollout upon sales. It might be an all-in-one rollout. But I've had, you know, there's so many stories of people getting delisted or slowly migrating off from in-store to online because of productivity and sales. So you want to make sure you do at that moment where the business and yourself have the bandwidth, the the, the, the funds, the, the time to, to really mm-hmm. do it justice, right? And it's remember, it's you can launch at any point and still have great success. So you're not missing out. You're just getting ready for it. But what I do love about the speciality stores and the smaller stores is you feel a lot more closer to feedback to um, uh, experimentation sometimes. You can try things that you can probably not do in some big, you know, if you want to try something in Sephora, there's like 500 plus stores to roll it out into potentially, right? If you want to try something in Erwan, there's that one amazing market there, right? Uh, and one thing I, I remember talking about Erwan, it was amazing, I, sp- I spoke to you about it, but it was like so cool. I was like shopping in Erwan just the other day in, in, when I was in LA and then there was literally like a group of people saying, guys, have you heard of this brand called Mara? It's incredible. Like, oh my God, it's my favorite product. And I literally was like just listening and I was like, I'm not going like, to say, I'm not going to be like, I know the owner. I'm just going to be like, listening in and I and I did that it was oh. amazing and that's and there's a little moments um you know I honestly I've never really heard those kind of moments in Sephora because there's just so many brands right totally um so it was it's nice to like feel that really you can make such an impact with also small so even if you start big mm-hmm. my story is that you could also then go into some of this more smaller boutique that's what we're trying to do with Fable now is how do we go into places like Erwan now and then uh and and open up these doors um so there's no right way totally it's that discovery element too. That's something we really rested Mm. on at the beginning is I think that with beauty specifically, people love to share their stories. They love to share things that have worked for them. And there's that kind of like intimacy when you're telling your sister, your mom, your best friend, your brother, your dad, like, oh, I got this and it works for me. And it's that shareability of of knowledge and of like uh, inclusivity, but also exclusivity in a way. Like I know about this and you don't. Um, and I'm going to share this with you. And I think boutique stores offer that a little bit more than the big, the big, big brand, you know, the big, big stores. Cause you go into a big store and you see, you know, Paula's choice and all the brands that you see so often on TikTok, but then you go into like an air one, like you said, and you see this brand Mara or whatever it is. And you're, you know, it's kind of like that intimate shareability of it that I think is really unique. Absolutely. Uh, and so, so, I mean, Future, obviously, who knows? We, there's a lot of different possibilities. But what are you like? I guess immediately, what are you really excited about? And then, like holistically, in a larger scale, um, you know, what are your some of your big goals for you for the next couple of years? Well, right now, the focus is really just doing the best we can, putting all our eggs into our current performance at our current retailers. We know this is a big opportunity, so we want to make sure we're doing it right and focusing on our heroes, the things that got us there. So we don't launch a ton of products each year, one to two, usually of the course line. We part that back a little bit for this year just because we want to focus again on those heroes and making sure they're known. The launch, yeah. And the launch and our in-store launch with Sephora is in March. So we're kind of using the first part of this year to do that. And then we have some exciting categories we're launching in. I definitely see Mara um, represented in, in places like body and color cosmetics, um, those types of things at some point. So we're working on new categories, which I think will be really fun. And then building out existing franchises of things that are really popular. Like our universal face oil is, the scent is polarizing, but either are obsessed with it or you're someone who kind of thinks it smells a little different. Um, but we're building that out as, I love it, but we're building it out as a franchise. Um, 
So doing things like maybe in the body category that have that same kind of scent. The, the lip balm has the same scent as the universal oil. So that was kind of the inspiration for that. And then I guess long-term goals, I'd love to expand within the, Sephora, the walls of Sephora globally. You know, we we are available at Cult Beauty, but I we've always had that international customer from a really early start. Cult Beauty was our second large retailer. So with that in mind, we really want to make sure that we're, um, you know, we're represented in Sephora in other parts of the world. So, you know, whether that's Canada, UK, which is really exciting. There's so many opportunities in the UK right now, um, Middle East. So, yeah. I'd say Middle East, your products will do amazing. And, and yeah, whenever you're ready for that, you know, uh, I've tested a few of these markets with Sephora and there's a lot of learnings and, and there is a lot of a reality of like, there is a lot of differences and that's a great, you know, that's, that's really exciting for us because, um, you know, well, it's exciting and not exciting. It's exciting when it's like we get to try new things and experiment, but then now we're about to launch a new product in a few months. And I'm like, okay, that shoot, we've got to change it up for this market. Doesn't Those words yep. don't resonate in this market. It kind of like kind of triples or quadruples your work, but that's actually the better way. That means I'm thinking locally, right? Not globally and trying to make it fit in. It has to be kind of from the ground up, especially if you want to do those markets justice. Sometimes being in the confinement of the same similar retailer helps yeah. that kind of transition, you know? Uh, gives you that kind of step in a bit more easier than like kind of going really distributing like very locally. Uh, so yeah, so that, that's a very exciting moment, I think. And, uh, and I also think it's really exciting to to suddenly now see potential impact within store with Sephora in March when you, you know, you start to roll out. I think that's going to be a big moment. And um, one thing as well as, as founders is how can we get closer to the market? So I'm sure you're going to be doing a lot of like in-store training and yep. visiting all the Sephora stores. And that's just going to be yeah, I think that's like the, for me, that's been the most exciting part of the journey is like going into the stores and interacting with the beauty advisors. Um, it's where I get the most like love and, and, and they kind of see us sometimes as founders, as influencers. I'm not saying I want to be an influencer, but you know what I mean? Like they really <laughs> are. are excited, but they, they really feel like, wow, like, and you really, they listen uh, to, and then eventually, you know, that whatever they listen to, it's going to be translated to the customers walking in. And, and that's a very exciting feeling because it can be overwhelming when you think about like, say 500 Sephora stores, like how do I, how do we grow? How do we stay productive? And I think, educating is one of the most powerful things and it costs us nothing, right? Just our time. Definitely. So yeah, that's going to be a very big one. So um, Alison, I'm going to go into fire round very soon, but I have a desert island situation question for you. So bearing in mind, you know, I'm inviting you to a family beauty island and hopefully this will be a reality one day. Watch this. I'll make it happen. (laughs) Um, But for now, so it's a hot environment, sunny desert, but I'm being very mean or TSA is being very mean. And they're saying, Alison, you can only bring one Mara product with you. So what is your go-to you're bringing with you on this island? Well, it's obviously our sea kale sunscreen serum because do you see how pale I am? I'm going to burn. And the sunscreen serum at least has those, um, it's a skincare first sunscreen. There's moringa, there's blue sea kale, there's red raspberry, there's um, avocado. There's so many amazing skincare first ingredients, but I'll also be protected from the sun. So that's probably, it's not why I love that product. I mean, if it was like Oh, okay. I can only pick one. Never mind. That's it. <laughs> one thing you could do. I don't know. I don't know if you already have it. Do you have minis? Or is that something you're developing? Or we have minis for some of our um, facial oils, but the not facials, for yeah. but not for the sunscreen yet. So maybe you should develop a founded. Uh, no, like a not founded beauty. So develop develop okay. a Mara. <laughs> yeah, develop a founded beauty <laughs> mini. <laughs> yeah, develop develop a Mara mini set for travel, and then I'll let you take that one. Oh my god. Get very okay. Well, I'm taking yeah. that then because yeah, take that. when it's yeah. made. <laughs> Um, so fire round. This is the first thing that comes to your mind. It's three questions. Um, okay. The first question is, what's another beauty brand that you're currently loving in any category? 
Ooh, a, a beauty brand. Okay, Vegamore. I'm going to say that right now because I recently it's met the amazing. founder. Yeah, it does. And he was so sweet. I met him actually at the dinner you put together. And I had actually used his line years before, before he did the rebrand. And just, I love that um, I got to meet him in person. And it's always fun to meet the founder. I would pick you, but you know, we're here today. So I wanted to pick someone No, no, else. no, no. And, and generally <laughs> speaking, I would even pick Dan. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm like, curious, how was, uh, how was the, I'm going to, when I get to America, I'm going to get it. I'm going to try the hydrate. How was hydrate? Love. I saw you got the package and I was like super jealous. I was like, I want it. <laughs> I have very dry hair. So I absolutely love the new hydrate it looks line. Amazing. That's yeah. Um, I also picked his line because I used it after COVID prior to my wedding because mm. I had a lot of hair yeah. loss and yeah. really helped me um, kind of get back to where um, I needed to be. Yeah. So, but my hair is also like, I, I need to spend more time on my hair. It gets the least amount of love. It's a journey. It takes, but no, but his advanced, the, the grow serums, um, they've yeah. been, I've even, I said it very openly. I had Dan on the podcast and I was like, even though I've created hair rolls, I still use his products. Like they're amazing. So yeah, I completely agree. Um, oh. um, and yeah, everyone should check out Vegamore uh, as well. If you haven't, um, it's in Sephora. It's yes. In Sephora. My second question is, do you have a favorite quote or like a saying that you keep close to your chest? This is one that's an older quote that I, you know, haven't brought out in a while, but I think it's important with all the social media that's still going on is like, don't compare your behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. Mm -hmm. I think it's easy to kind of feel, I don't know who said it, but I think sometimes we're on Instagram, we're scrolling, we're on TikTok, we're like, they look so good or they, they look so pretty or they they have the best life. And it's like, you know, just remember that everyone's sitting at home in their couch in their pajamas, probably scrolling on Instagram as well while you're And probably the people that posted it, it's, it's thinking the same about others. So, you know, exactly. Yeah. True. And I think, I think with that as well, like, just like, if you're feeling those emotions, just, it's, I think it's probably time to put that phone away for that minute and just like be in the present because totally. it's not healthy. It's like, you know, we have the power, we have the control. And if there's some content that you're not enjoying, mute it for a month. It's Bye-bye. okay. You know? Yeah. Bye-bye, not in my life right now because you just don't need it. It's absolutely fine. But yeah, it, I actually am noticing that a lot recently. I'm looking at a lot of content and I'm like, you know, and I tend to even try to convince myself, right? I'm like in my head like, no, no, but look, this is what I'm doing. I'm like, but I don't even need to convince myself. Just, yeah. you know, don't, it's not, it's, it's, it can get very overwhelming at times. hundred percent. The muting button is, yeah. is very valuable. It's very valuable. And, and then eventually if it's really bad, just unfollow. It's okay too. <laughs> that's fine too. Yeah. Like we don't need to, uh, I saw this, yeah. I saw this thing on the other day called the grocery store rule. And if you like, yeah. and you apply this to people that you know, right? Not like the celebrities mm. or brands that you follow, but if it's someone that you would want to hide and not say hi to at the grocery store, then you probably don't need to be following them. That's a really good analogy actually. Yeah, that's actually true. Uh, probably there's a quite a few people <laughs> thinking like to start unfollowing. I might do a little purge tonight. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> a too. grocery shopping purge. Like if yeah, you're like, uh, point. you know, different. Yeah, and also, like, where you are right now with your life, you know. One of my best friends is a singer, he unfollowed everyone, and then I was like, all right, fair enough. And he was like, I just don't want to see anyone. And I was like, you do you, you do you. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, but yeah, that's a, that's a very good one. And my last question is if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur, what would Alison be doing right now? Well, I think I would still go back to my first career, but I'd want to do something in the landscape of, I always wanted to be like an Anthony Bourdain. I wanted, you know, entertainment journalism to take me to something like Anthony Bourdain. And that was kind of at the very end of my hosting career. I built this show called Skin Deep for Refinery29, where we looked at beauty through a cultural lens. And so I think doing something like that would have been really wonderful. And I, I think it's like the most beautiful way to storytell because you're going into these 
local communities and meeting with the real people that kind of make the heartbeat of, of that of that area. So I would have loved to have been like an Anthony Bourdain or have a travel show or something. But one request from me is, A, please do this one day when you have time, or B, even via a form of Mara, right? Whether it's your ingredient sourcing or something like that. That's something like, because uh, I can say as, as someone who's now like hosted, you sp- like hearing you speak, like the reason why I'm like, not in my words is because you're so ph- phenomenal at speaking. So I'm like, oh gosh, this is a lot of pressure for me to speak to like a, a professional reporter. But generally speaking, like I think you have that, um, that obviously that gift, but also now you have a potential conduit with the brand. Thank and I think you. something I want to do is just get more content and media content from brand building to the industry. Cause I think that's like really showcasing apart from just words, right? We hear a lot of, and this is where clean and things become an issue, right? People think of it as like these logos or these percentages mm-hmm. that honestly you don't even know what those mean but i think storytelling locally on the ground so like yeah you should do that thank you It'd be amazing and by the way you're an yeah. amazing interviewer so don't be yeah you are not oh. tongue-tied at all you're incredible you're the professional uh, i'm out of practice thank you you know <laughs> i've been working on myself i have a purpose coach and when i hear these things i'm gonna say thank you i'm not gonna say no you gotta say thank you we gotta take the compliment thank you Exactly. Well, Alison, it's been such a pleasure. We're going to continue catching up. I'm going to see you in a few weeks in SF and we're going to do a workout. I'm excited um, for people to understand we're doing a founded beauty boot camp. <laughs> we're not just randomly going to work out. Um, but for everyone to continue following you and the journey of Mara, what are the links? And, we, yeah, so. You can find us at Sephora right now. You can find Mara at Sephora. And then our handles are The Mara Beauty on Instagram, you know, all, all the different places. TikTok, we're loving our TikToks. And you can find me at Allison McNamara. And thank you so much for having me. You are so incredible for you know offering this to me. And I can't wait to hang out more with you in, in San Francisco. It's going to be so fun. Just the beginning. And I'll make sure I put all the links in the summary so people can just tap straight away. And uh, definitely do try all the products. But if you're going to start with one today, the cleansing oil will be your go-to. And then shop around that. Thanks, Allison. And uh, we'll speak very, very soon. Talk to you soon. hope you enjoyed this episode of founded beauty as much as i had making it and if you did please share it with a friend who you think will love it too founded beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as apple Podcasts, spotify amazon music Podcasts, the acast app and many more and i'm also very proud to be part of the acast creator network so be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop we really appreciate every single follow listen share and review it truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.